both Emperor Fire and Minister Fire, uh, they have something that protects and connects and communicates for them. So we know that the heart has this thing called Shinju or Shinbaolo or pericardium, you know, all those different words that you can use. So because the heart, of course, it's the emperor, it's in the void, it can't do anything, you know, it just has to, it has to be in the void, it has to be there, able to communicate with the world through the, the open windows, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but so it needs the minister. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. When I lived in Taipei, I loved to visit the local temples, which are everywhere. Tiny ones tucked away in some back alley, just wide enough for a scooter, sprawling complexes up in the mountains. And one of my favorites was the raucous Longshan Temple over in the Wanhua district near the snake market. Wanhua is an old part of town. Other than the subway station, it did not at all feel like modern Taipei. I love the Longshan Temple because it instantly took me to another world. The chanting, incense, kaleidoscopic flow of people, always in constant motion, old grannies praying for health, students lighting incense in hopes of passing an exam, middle-aged women making offerings to Guanyin candles, the clack-clack fall of the quarter-moon fortune-telling blocks, high school kids hanging out, business units offering particular prayers to a specific deity because they don't hire business consultants to fix their business practices. They hire a swanming. They hire a fortune teller to advise on what rituals will bring up the quarterly balance sheet. I felt lost when I first arrived in Taiwan, and even more so the first time that I visited Longshan. Stranger in a strange land, I fell in love with the place. I would visit it often to imbibe the noise and stillness of the swirling prayer wheel that is the Longshan Temple. Towards the end of my time in Taipei, I went for one last visit to light some incense of appreciation, to reckon the years, to impress on my heart one more time the chaotic magic of that place. And as I was leaving, a middle-aged woman struck up a conversation with me. Her English was surprisingly good. Now, I usually only speak Chinese in Taiwan, but if someone's English is better than my Chinese, then I'll switch to my native tongue. The Taiwanese are polite and supportive, and they tend to compliment my Chinese, especially when I'm speaking it poorly. It's both sweet and tremendously annoying, but I'd come to some peace about the lie of the quality of my Chinese and for my own twisted entertainment, figuring that turnabout is fair play. I'll often compliment the Taiwanese on their English. So I comment on the quality of her English and her English is good enough that she says, thank you. Instead of the usual Taiwanese, no, 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 not me, not me, nali, nali. And then she says, of course my English is good. I'm Catholic. This is why I love the Longshan Temple. Catholic? English? I am not connecting the dots here. And so I ask her, and she says, well, I went to Catholic school, and I'm still lost. And then she says, well, we spoke English at Catholic school, and now it's making sense missionaries have been in Taiwan for a long time. In fact, the Vatican has an embassy just down the street from the famous Ding Tai Fung dumpling place. But what is a Catholic doing walking out of a temple built to honor Guanyin? It turns out her mother is Buddhist, and she's ill. Quite sick, in fact. And so she's here on her mother's behalf. Let that sink in for a minute. Jurisdiction. Her Catholic God has no sway in the affairs of her Buddhist mother. I learned a little something about respect in that moment. It's probably something I should consider more in my own clinical work as well, to respect those parts of my patients that are dear to them, but foreign to me meeting others where they are 
without story, without blame, or desire to see the world as I do. It's not easy, especially when I think I have some answers that would be helpful. I have to remind myself, jurisdiction, how can I be helpful to my patients in a way that they are able to take it in and take it forward? How we think about the world influences our perception of the world. Learn a system of acupuncture and it gives you a window into how to use acupuncture in a particular way. Study a school of herbalism and you'll be able to see patterns you did not previously notice. It's not that something is right or not. More the question is, is this useful? Change your frame and your capacity to perceive it changes as well. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine, and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. In this conversation with Deborah Wolf, 
we puzzle through some questions I have had about the earthly branches after she taught that module in her recent geological live seminar. We will be referring to some charts that were part of the seminar, and you'll find those over on the show notes page. It will be helpful to have them handy as you listen in on this conversation. There are some surprising resonances that we uncover in this conversation. So let's get into it. Hey, Deborah. Hi, Michael. Thank you for joining me again for some questions, this time about branches. We're going to dig the earthly branches. Okay, let's dig away, man. We're going to dig away. Um, I so appreciated your uh, presentation the other day, and it just, God, it brings up questions, and then it just brings up these, these like glimpses. I wonder if this other thing is true, or am I just making shit up, or might there be something here? <laughs> so... So well, you know, I might not this. be able to answer your questions, but I can always give it a go. It's great to have a go. So we're talking about Earth, and we're not talking about space. We're talking about time. Yes. The heavenly stems relate to space. Earth relates to time. And yes. and you were also talking in the presentation about your fascination with the Zul clock, right? The Chinese clock. Yes. And one of my takeaways from that talk was that while we usually think of the organs as being related to the five phases, and we all know something about that because of our training, and, and that's you know very fundamental to most schools, we can also look at the organs in the channels in relation to the seasons. Now, yes, there is a correspondence with the seasons, liver, spring, that kind of thing, but there are some other ways of looking at the seasons. Well, I'm, I'm bringing up this... Uh, chart that you have here, mm -hmm. right, that you shared with us. And, you know, uh, we have the lungs at the three o'clock to five o'clock. Well, the, the three o'clock time, you know, then comes the, uh, the large intestine, that kind of thing. But you, you were also talking about, I'm, I'm going to try to get at this. It, it's a little hard to get all into words, how we can look at the entire human life cycle on the clock as well. So for example, we can look at, and I'm going to bring this up so that we can see it here, that you can think of the, the lung phase as birth. And then you look at like the digestive functions, the stomach and the spleen. These, these times are like childhood, adolescence. We're coming into adulthood about the time we get to, to noon, to heart time, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then there was this idea that as, that as we go further along, we have death, dormancy, the void, and then there's the embryo and pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's in the deep, dark. Hidden part. The hidden part, which is also the nighttime part. So, or the wintertime. Exactly. And, you know, and we have a sense of that kind of thing just from our regular studies and, and just, you know, because we're humans and we, we look at life and we live life. But, but this idea of including dormancy, the void, and the embryotic aspect of our being is being hidden and, and in the dark. This, this is a little bit new for me. And I'm always trying to hone things back to clinical work. Mm -hmm. And so... One of the questions I have about this is if we are working with people who would like to have children and they're having trouble having children, mm -hmm. you know, so often, oh, we're going to work on the kidneys, we're going to work on the spleen, kidneys in particular, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we're looking to do that thing with enhancing their jing and all, all of that. But I'm wondering if we could work on their triple burner, if we can work on those organs that are in that deep, dark. Well, ab absolutely. I mean, oh God, now you're going to get me started on something else. So but first of all, I want to say that there are life, time is a cyclical thing. So um, the seasons are a cycle. That's normal. There's the there's the springtime when you get the visible beginnings. There's summertime when everything flourishes. There's autumn when you see visible decline, and then there's winter 
which in the Chinese, um, in the Neijing, it says is the time for storage. And that's actually the hidden part. It's the bit where you can't see anything. And we sometimes we also talk about the idea about different types of beginnings that you can have the hidden beginning, which is what happens in wintertime. And then you can have the visible beginning, which is when things come out in springtime. Yeah. This idea about the cyclical movement, um, you can see that you can divide that in terms of four, the seasons. You can do that in terms of five when you look at the, uh, the or 10, the 10 stems. You know, that's also uh, you can have that as a life cycle divided into 10 parts or 12. You can have it. So we can do that in any number you like. Do you know what I mean? Really? It's just that usually time is counted in cycles of 12. And so it turns out to be four parts each part is can be divided into three different parts if you see what i mean okay so that's that's the whole idea about the cycle of time and that really life begins or you know the spark begins in the hidden aspect it always starts in winter it's just that we're stuck with when we see it and we only see it in springtime or in wood mm -hmm. so yes when you're talking about the clinical aspect, of course, um, we could use Sanjiao, the three heater and the gallbladder um, very, very effectively, especially the gallbladder, because the gallbladder um, it to, to help pregnancy. And this is where we go off on a tangent because I told you, you know, I'm obsessed with the gallbladder because the gallbladder is the epitome of the hidden beginnings. The gallbladder branch is the time that includes winter solstice. So it's the deepest, darkest moment. And at that deepest, darkest moment, that's when you can, you know, you really have the, 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 they call it the astronomical beginning of the year, because we all know that the year really, you know, we see it start in springtime, but actually, if you're looking at um, astronomically, meaning looking at where the earth is with relation to the sun, then it's only after winter solstice that the light comes back. Yeah. Hence, we have Christmas, Diwali, whatever, all the light, Hanukkah, all the light festivals, for instance. Yeah, that kind of thing. So we kind of know that. Yeah. Also, I'd like to point out that the gallbladder is an amazing organ. It has many, many relationships with prenatal and with Jing. It's the extraordinary foo. It's the only foo that is an extraordinary foo and a normal foo. So um, extraordinary foo, uh, if you don't know, they're, they're, they're shaped like foo organs, but they have the function of a Zhang organ. So um, they store things. And what do they store? They store some kind of type of Jing. And the, and the type of Jing essence that the gallbladder stores is actually called, we call it bile. But really in the Chinese, it's called Qing Jing, clear bile actually. So do you see what I mean? Yeah. The, the other extraordinary food, you know, you've got the brain, the marrow, the bones, the uterus, and so on and so forth. There's a whole chapter about it. But anyway, the gallbladder is the only one that is both a normal food and an extraordinary food. And the fact that it's an extraordinary food gives it a link into essence, into Jing, first of all. And the other thing I want to point out is that the gallbladder on the channel has many points that relate to the kidneys. For instance, there's gallbladder 39, which is the hui point of marrow. So marrow is like the cream of jing. So mm. immediately that's a good way to sort of deal with jing and kidneys and so on and forth. There's gallbladder 25, which is the mu point of the kidneys, for God's sakes. Yeah. Yes, so yes, there it is. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yes, I do. And there was something else that you said in the presentation about the gallbladder being related to water. You just, yes. it, was, it was almost a throwaway comment. It was like gallbladder related to water. Wait, what? I also wanted to ask you. Yes. So how does that aspect of it being related to water fit in here? Because water takes us right into kidneys and right into chain. Absolutely. And in the whole, the yep. whole, you know, the whole. Yes. Brutal. And so here we need to remember that it's related to water, as is the three heater and also the, the liver, because of their position on the Chinese clock. They are seasonally winter stroke water. Oh, there it is. Okay, I see it. 
Right. Yeah. Now right. the liver is a little bit different because it's the earth. So it's the end of the winter season. So it's got a relationship with water, but it's got a strong relationship with earth because earth helps move from one one season to another. We talked about that before, mm-hmm. but especially the gallbladder and the three heater. And again, you know, I mentioned that isn't it interesting that the gallbladder and three heater go around the ear and we have lots of kidney pathology, lots of ear pathology, because of course the ear is the orifice of the kidneys. And sometimes we have to deal with the kidneys, but sometimes actually we can deal with that ear pathology, kidney related pathology using the gallbladder and the three heater. And perhaps that's because of the fact that although the gallbladder is wood phase and the three heater is fire phase, they also have this water seasonal relationship. Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. Yes, and there's that there's also that aspect that when you look at some when you look at the levels, they're both Shao. There's Shao Yang and Shao Yin. Yeah. That connects as well. Yes. Hmm. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you. You know, sometimes I start to see different resonances or correspondences. You know, again, am I making shit up that's not there? <laughs> or is there like an X on a treasure map that would behoove a little bit of digging into? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, really with this short series, what I tried to do was to try and kind of like open the doors so that people might get little inklings of things and then that might inspire them to look a little bit further because obviously there's no way that I could talk about the whole of stems and branches in three short sessions do you see what I mean so I just wanted to kind of just trigger little bits so that people would go ah okay oh maybe maybe it goes like this then and then they'd try and sort of find out a bit more yes well I think you've done a a terrific job (laughs) of putting that taster together. Thank you. In a way that makes it accessible, but doesn't nail it down to the point where like, oh yeah, I know a whole bunch about that because I listened to a few hours of it. It's like, no, no. I listened to a few hours and I'm like, holy smokes, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm still wondering <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of part of the fun, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So still connected here. Uh, talking about the pericardium, the triple burner, they are, they're, you know, they're down here in the like dormancy and embryo, no, dormancy and void mm-hmm. um, when, you, when you're looking at the clock this way. And I'm going to have this up here. People can, can download this and look at this chart. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to birth for a moment mm-hmm. because, you know, we start with the 10, but as you so well point out, it becomes the 12 at birth because the heart... Mm-hmm. which previously just would send blood from the mother over into the child, right? The, there's a septum in the middle, and mm-hmm. it closes. Now blood gets shunted to the, to the lungs because we are breathing air in this world. Mm-hmm. And now we have the two unformed organs. No. Yeah, they got, a, they got, a, they got no form, but they got a function. Mm-hmm. Triple burner and the pericardium. This is actually what gives us life. Mm-hmm. And... I'm looking at this at this image here. They're they're in the deep dark as well. They give us life, but they might also again that resonance of help to create life in the deep dark. Mm-hmm. 
it's showing up in both of those places in my mind. There's this correspondence. Yes, and we also know that minister fire, you know, um, it's, it's kind of more than this. Yeah, minister fire is the fire of our maintenance, and it's the fire of me men, as opposed to emperor fire, which is the fire of our heavenly fire. It's the fire of our creation. So this is more like the Shen, you know, it's something to do with heaven. So you can say that, you know, emperor fire is more heavenly and minister fire is more earthly. Mm. And um, both of them, both emperor fire and minister fire, uh, they have something that protects and connects and communicates for them. So we know that the heart has this thing called Shinju or Shinbaolo or pericardium, you know, all those different words that you can use. So because the heart, of course, it's the emperor, it's in the void, it can't do anything, you know, it just has to, it has to be in the void, it has to be there, you know, with a, with a able to communicate with the world through the, the open windows, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but so it needs the minister, which is the pericardium, to um, do the pumping of the blood, to do the job for the heart. It needs to communicate with the rest of the, of the empire. It needs to connect, yes, and it needs to somehow kind of envelop the heart, communicate, envelop, connect for the heart. Yes, that's what the pericardium does. And then um, for the other fire, minister fire, which is something like the fire of Ming Men or the, or the moving chi between the kidneys or, you know, there's lots of different ways of describing it, then that also has something that connects and communicates and, and kind of protects it. And that's Sanjiao. That's the three heater. That's where why the three heater has got these three jiaos. Basically, it's rooted in Ming Men. And then it, it you know, it kind of brings Yuan Qi, which is the universal catalyst, all over the body to do what it needs to do when it needs to do it. So it's, it's bringing the fire of Ming Men in that transformed action of being Yuan Qi, around the body. So that's like the protection, connection, co communication for the fire of Ming Men, if you see what I mean. I'm, you know, I'm getting it. I, Deborah, I've been at this Chinese medicine thing for over 20 years. And, and, and I got to tell you, sometimes I feel like a total idiot because I hear terms like ministerial fire. And sometimes I kind of get it. And sometimes I'm like, what the fuck are we actually talking about? It's a term that gets thrown around a lot, and, and the way that you've just described it is useful and helpful to me. And and as I think about the triple burner and the pericardium as, as being a, a yin-yang pair of function of how life comes into being being and is expressed in this world through these the, these functions. And, you know, we talk about the Ming Mun Fire, we talk about the Yen Shi. We're talking about these aspects in us that were not there until the moment of birth and the heart divides. Yeah, the septum closes and then the first breath and then suddenly the channel system starts running. Yes. And we've got these two fires. Yeah. And and they're the fires that keep us alive. And when we look at them on the clock, they're way deep in the dark. Yeah. We look at that resonance. So again, as is so often the case, and it's easy to talk about, and for me, it's really hard to understand, in yang, we have these apparent differences that, and of course, it's easy to look at the polarities and go, this is this and this is that, and they're really different because look, they're opposite. To really grasp that unity, that's that's where I think the medicine really starts to work when we can start to mm. grasp that unity. Always goes back to yin yang, doesn't it? And that's just such a massive thing. You could spend your whole life just writing about that and thinking about that. I think. <clears throat> well, I remember teachers saying that when I was in school. Well, it all comes mm. back to yin yang, and and I'm thinking, yes. <laughs> am I ever going to understand that shit? <laughs> you know, it's like that sounds really easy, but it's not. It's interesting as well because in the twelve phases, the twelve growth phases, this um, this picture that we're looking at, it's it's interesting because dormant and void, which is the pericardium and the three heater, they're the two ones that don't have any kind of physicality to them. All the other ones, from embryo all the way to death, is actually physical, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So that's one interesting thing. Function no form. Yeah, exactly, which is quite cool, isn't it? And then another thing that's very interesting, which is which I've 
really sort of brushed over when I was talking about the branches in the presentation because I thought, oh, God, this is going to be too much. But I mentioned it ever so briefly, is that there are these um, hexagrams that are related to each of these 12 positions, each of these 12 branches. Each branch has a hexagram, and they're called tidal hexagrams because what happens is that they start, you know, it's like the growth of yang all the way up to its peak. So it goes one yang line and then two yang lines and three yangs from the bottom all the way up to six yang lines. And then there's the growth of yin from one yin line all the way up to six yin lines. But what's weird is that you don't get full yin in the gallbladder, which is midwinter solstice or midnight, and you don't get full yang in the heart, the, the, the prime, which is summer solstice or midday. Actually, it's slightly offset. This has always got to me. And uh, I think I might have sussed it now. The, um, the full yin is actually in Sanjiao. It's in the three heater just before the gallbladder. It's in the void. That's all yin. And then all yang is actually at adulthood, which is in the spleen, in the snake opposite. How cool is that? Well, it's what keeps the wheel turning, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. So that, that's been a bit of a revelation to me. And there's another thing that I haven't talked about because that's another thing is, is that there are also these gates um, and they relate to this. You know, there's like the gate of heaven and the door of earth. It's the gate of ghosts and the gate of humans. And those coincide with where these four lines are that are dividing the four seasons. But that's uh, another sort of slightly sideways area, very much to do with sort of divination and stuff. Well, I, I like to explore that, but not today. No. Yeah. No, that's. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gone off on one. I've already got enough here on my, on my agenda for the yeah, day. Yeah. Very yeah, sorry, that, Michael. That, that, that would be worth looking at. And. Yeah, so the heart, there's a little bit of yin in it. So this brings me to, and I'm going to bring up this slide so you can look at it, this fabulous idea. And I remember getting it when I was in school. They said, look, you can put the earth in the middle or you could put the earth on the side. Well, you know, earth in the middle. Of course, where else are you going to put the earth? And in, in the idea here, again, we're talking about cycles and things kind of getting a nudge into the next one, that we have... The last part of each season, the last 18 days, is actually the earth portion of that season. It's what allows us to end one cycle and move into the other. That makes a tremendous amount of sense to me. Mm. And, and it occurs to me, again, I'm just going to throw this out and see what resonance it sparks with you, mm -hmm. that at the turn of each season, there is an opportunity for a harvest that to move, that before we can move into the next season, we have to harvest the living and whatever we've done in this season before we can move to the next one. And we have the, this 18-day period for some re reflection, for some, how do I say this? An opportunity to actually pause and be nourished by our experience of living through that season. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'll tell you what I'm thinking about this. So first of all, you use the word harvest, and I've got a problem with the word harvest because um, in the Chinese medicine, in the classics, they're very, very clear that different seasons um, are seasons for different things, mm. and the one that is to do with gathering is always autumn. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely not gathering. However, then I listened a little bit further to what you said, and I started thinking about the yi, which is always erroneously translated as intention. And I've got a real problem with that, with that translation, um, because if you look at the character, what it's got is it's got the character yin, which is that musical tone of which there's five musical tones that I talked about when I talked about the stems. And then right underneath is the heart radical. So what you're actually doing is you're tuning in to the tone of the heart. That's what the yi means. So it makes sense to me that when we get to the end of each season, what we do is we tune back in to the sound of our heart, to the tone of our heart, which is a little bit like I'm looking at where I'm at here. I'm, I'm um, digesting 
and transforming everything that has happened so far. Mm -hmm. And until I've done that, I cannot move forward. So that would make sense to me. Thank you. That Yes, that's helpful. I, I use the word harvest with some trepidation because I also consider harvest to be part of the fall. And it's like, really, digest and, and transform does get closer to it. I'm, I'm wondering if there's another... Well, I mean, I, I like playing with words, so I'll go play with that. But yes, it, it's this moment in time. We can take what we've lived. How does it fit? What do we hold on to? And what do we let go of? And what, yeah, what what has transformed and needs to be brought forward in the next season? It's a kind of a sifting. I, I, I have an image of sifting something, panning for gold. Uh-huh. Or a, you know, like a, what is it? Um, you know, when you know when you're walking around with Google Maps. I, I've, I don't do this very often because I, I don't really like to have things that tell me where to go. But you know, I want to see right on the map. I want to see further. I want to see where my destination is so that I can see if I'm pointing in the right direction. Mm. And Google Maps doesn't really like that on my phone, and it keeps asking me to recenter. And recenter is come back where you are, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of thinking about, you know, it's a it's a recentering. And it, you know, of course, the earth is about our form, our physical form. So we're coming back into our form and we're sort of recalibrating, which is back to that listening to the sound of the heart thing. Yeah, it's it's a moment of recalibration. So I suspect it might behoove all of us especially as practitioners, to consider that 18 day between the seasons as a, uh, a kind of sacred, eh, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm a little uncomfortable with words like sacred, but let's just say it's a moment of great potential. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. And it's also a time where um, traditionally they say that, you know, you use the earth. So there are sort of seasonal points that at those moments, those 18 days, you can use to help really kind of transform one season into another for us. Yeah. Yep. And it doesn't always have to be stomach 36. Just saying. (laughs) No, no, no. Because we're, we're, I mean, we're looking at it in a much broader context. Absolutely. Stomach 36, but. Yeah, come no, on. Looking at it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, you could look at it. You could look at it that way. You could. You can definitely use Stomach 36, but I mean, you can be much more creative than that. You could be much more creative. And this is one of the things I really appreciate about the stems and branches is it, it looks like kind of a, well, I've used the word source code and I'm going to stick with that because it, it seems like that. It's It's not prescriptive, but it's descriptive. And if you can describe it well, then you can figure out what needs to be done. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I was making a religion, I would say uh, 18 days between the seasons would be a major piece of it. Well, it looks like the Japanese really go for it because, you know, when I was trying to find out more about this, because that lady talked about doyo and Mm. I thought, oh, okay, so I'm going to look it up. And so then I found that it was the characters for Tu and Yong, and that makes sense. yeah, exactly. But then um, actually they've got the Japanese have got a very specific one where you you specifically eat eel in the doyo period because maybe because that form, that slippery form, it's damp forming, you know, maybe because it's like a, you know, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? A snake, maybe. Do you see what I mean? And they use it yeah. at that time. And I thought, oh wow, that's fantastic. They're using the food to help move the earth at a specific, at the right time. How cool is that? Well, if I have to go eat unagi Yum. this period, well, okay. <laughs> bring so it on. It. I'm <laughs> down with that. Oh my God. There was this great place in, in Taipei that uh, you could go and you'd get like a box of unagi, right? There'd be a little box and there was like the, the rice and then just a big hunk of unagi. Oh, it was so good. You have it with your Oh, beer. stop it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, maybe for the next, uh, you know, too young period, we should meet in Taipei and go eat some eel. Good then. idea. I'm up for it. Okay. Me too. All right. Moving along. I've got a chart here that's blowing my mind. All right. I'm bringing it up. If y'all are listening to this, uh, it's the branches and phase chart. So 
Deborah, you can see this. It's starting with the lung. It, well, metal starts with metal. We've got the lung, and then we got the colon. And I see that the lung, which is yin, hand tie-in, let's call it by its full name, this is a yang branch? Yes. Okay. Like, <laughs> right. And then, all right, a little mind-blowing. And then I'm looking over here at, at the large intestine, the colon. It's the yin branch? Yep, 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 yep. What so, up? Uh, well, there's there's a bit more than this. So for both the stems and the branches, when you look at there's there's two different ways of looking at yang and yin. One is the first half of the cycle is always yang and the second half of the cycle is always yin. So the first five stems are yang and the six, last five stems are yin. And the first five branch, six branches are yang and the last six branches are yin. That's overall like a sine wave, a big sine wave. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then after than that, you have a smaller cycle of yang and yin, and that's from the whole thing. So the first one is always yang and then the second one's yin and the third one's yang and then the fourth one's yin and so on and so forth. Now, um, so that means that odd numbered stems and odd numbered branches are always yang and even numbered stems and even numbered branches are always yin. And that actually fits very much with what we know of generally with sort of odd and even like, um, you, you know, it's like this is one of those kind of universal constants that they never tell you about is that in this created world, yang comes first and it's to do with odd things and yin comes after There's First there's yang and then there's yin. Yeah, that's where we're at. Yang initiates and yin responds. Exactly. Yeah. So. Whether we start the year at the midwinter solstice, which is the gallbladder branch, or if we, that's the hidden beginning, or if we start in um, Chinese New Year, springtime, which is lung branch, those are always, those are actually both odd numbered branches. So they're both young. And then the next one has to be yin. Okay. The branch is not the same as the channel. They are different concepts. And how are they different? <laughs> I think that's a really difficult question. Just like the stem is a joining of the yun movement and the organ. So it's not the same as the organ. Do you see what I mean? Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP-certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. Yes, yes. The, so you're talking about the, the great Yun movements. Yes. From the stems. Yes. Yes. Do you see what I mean? So that there's there's a stem is a joining of the yun movement and the organ. They come to they're two different parts, which have got slightly different cycles. And then when we look at the branches, those also have two parts. One is the channel, and the other one is the seasonal aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're back to that seasonal aspect again. Yeah, exactly. Again, I I don't grok it at this point other than it's an X on a treasure map for me that says dig here. Yeah. 
So so that's helpful. I you know I don't have it yet, but I feel like my compass is lining up with your chart. So <laughs> forward. It's also um, slightly more complicated, I think, because when we talk about stems, you know, I can talk about five phases. And um, people know something about that. And then I talk about yun, the movements, the big cycles. That's really different. It is different, but it's still a system by five. So I can kind of make some kind of comparison once I can explain that they're separate things. But when we talk about branches, then I have to get into the story of Tai Yin, Yang Ming, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there are... These these things that you can call confirmations or you can call divisions, they have many different aspects. So part of the problem is that people cannot, they might not have learned the different aspects of what's going on. And so um, it's difficult to approach it. Like here, I'm talking about channels and I'm giving them their proper name and calling them Han Tai Yin. And this is already a problem because most people will say, oh, that's the lung channel. And I'm saying, no, that's Han Tai Yin. And when you write Han Tai Yin, then you know that that's also linked with foot Tai Yin. And immediately that gives you a relationship between the lung and the spleen that you hadn't realized. Do you see what I mean? I do see what you mean. And I know for myself, I've made all kinds of... I'm going to say errors in logical typing because in my mind I say lung, but I'm also thinking hand tie in, but I'll often confuse it because I use the shorthand, I go lung. And that means one thing, but it could also mean, but and it all, it's not a but, it's an and, and it also means hand tie in, which also means it's part of the great yin channel that includes the spleen. It depends on where you put your focus. Absolutely. So, so I and think then, it's very important that we use our language with this kind of stuff. I think it's very, very important that we use our language as precisely as possible because otherwise we get into this like placemat at the Chinese restaurants like, okay, there's your animal and, and you see it in one dimension. Or we look at it here and go, well, I kind of see two dimensions, but there's actually five. Yeah. No, I think I totally agree that you have to be very precise in your language. And that the lung and the stomach both have yang branches. Now, this is interesting, and and here's why this is interesting to me. And I've asked you this question before. I have been snooping around in the classics, and I've been asking people, and I've been trying to figure out for myself these Sa'am organ pairs that I've been working with that I learned from Toby that they use in the Sa'am acupuncture where, where they take the lung and, and they don't pair it with the large intestine. I mean, you can. They pair it with the stomach. Yeah. Right? And I know it's really effective in clinic. This stuff is really helpful in clinic. But I keep wanting to go into the classics. I want the yellow emperor to like point it out and go, yo, dude, look. No. Lung and stomach, there it is. I haven't seen it. No, and and you know I haven't seen it either. But I tell you why I the, the I think one of the reasons because I've thought about this uh, um, business as well because because of what I've what I know about the confirmations the divisions mm-hmm. and I think one of the reasons why the lung and the stomach work really well together is because basically you're hitting two confirmations two divisions at the same time and instead of having the yin yang pairing of the channels lung and spleen. With they're both yin, Tai Yin. What you're doing is you've got um, hand foot. What you're doing is you've got hand foot crossover and dryness and dampness crossover at the same time, and that gives it more power. I think that hand foot is a little bit like a uh, a turbocharger or something. I mean, it does add it adds a little bit of juice somehow. Now you can get that dryness. Well, no, no, I'm just, because I'm looking at hand tie in, hand yang ming, they're both dry. Yes, exactly. So the fact that you've got lung and stomach, lung is dampness and stomach is dryness. So you're getting hand and foot, the lung is the hand and the stomach is the foot, and you're getting Tai Yin and Yang Ming, dampness and dryness. And so you're doubling up the effect. What you're actually doing is you're using 
the yin-yang hand-foot pairing within one of those three big loops that I talked about before. And each of those loops, three big loops, has got a hand, a foot, a chest, a head. Mm-hmm. And it's both two sides, like a biaoli, an interior-exterior climatic relationship. So I think the mixing of hand and foot and damp and dryness gives it that extra oomph. I, I think it does. And, you know, but again, I I, I want to see something literally written in the stars, right? Or, or, or something <laughs> that's... You'll be lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, but I'm looking at it here and I'm looking at lung and stomach. They're both yang branches. I'm looking at large intestine and spleen. Again, that's that's a, that's a saam yeah. pairing. They're both yep, yep. yin branches. You can go all the way down this chart and it's laid out for you. This is why the heart and the urinary bladder are so helpful. They're both yang branches. Yes. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I, I don't know if I have any more to say about that other than this This is the first time that, that I've seen something, well, it's not the first time because, you know, I mean, we, you know, we have this idea that, that the Xiaoyang and the uh, Dreyin, they treat each other. And we have this idea that the, the Taiyin and the Yangming, they go with each other. We know that from, from our very basic five elements. Yeah, but that's because they've got they've got this kind of interior exterior type climatic relationship. But seeing this this branches this yang and yin branches piece in here, I just I feel like I've got something else. Again, source code, something else I can go into, look at that might help me to understand a little bit better. So thank you. You're welcome. It's very satisfying to. <laughs> Okay, moving along. We talked about invisible and invisible and the trigrams and the clock. I, I think we're pretty much about what I wanted to uh, cover here today. I'm just going to browse through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, the Sanjo, <laughs> uh, which I'm bringing up so we can see it. And if you're listening to this, uh, you were talking about how there's this, I mean, it's basically an equilateral triangle, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, these are these are concepts that you have in feng shui and bata. Um, but what I find really interesting is that these concepts are, we mirror these in the body. You know, it's always the same thing is that we have these things in the body. So if you do, if you have a look at any sort of Chinese astrology, and a lot of Chinese astrology books talk about branches, they don't talk about stems at all, because they're talking about the psychological aspects, the animals, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, you're a dog, you're a pig, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if you read those, then they'll say, oh, yes, well, you know, if you're a monkey, that's the that's the bladder branch, by the way, then um, your best friends are the dragon, that's the stomach branch. And the rat, that's the gallbladder branch. And if you actually bother to look at that, then, hey, that's the three-leg yang. So for us, it's really easy. Literally written on the body. Yeah, absolutely. Mapped onto the body. Yes. You know, when it says, these are the rules of heaven, these are the rules of birth, and then underneath it says, and humans also respond to this. We're literally built that way. There's no joke mm-hmm. here. Yeah, it's this is one of the things that I I very much appreciate about taking a dive into this material. There's a lot of little throwaway one-liners that we get in Chinese medicine school. I don't know about other people. I, you know, I listen to it. It's like, oh, that's the way it is. Okay, why is it that way? I don't have any idea, but that's the way it is. <laughs> and it looks like there's some other resonances here and relationships. Okay, you know, good enough for me. So you swallow it and believe it's true and then and then work with it for a couple of decades and go, wait a minute, how's this stuff work again? Yeah. And, and so to be able to see these kind of mappings and reflections this way, the channel system is, you know, the, the heavens mapped onto our physical being. Yeah, exactly. And, and I love how you talk about the channels <laughs> as being that interface between what's inside and outside. Well, that's what they do, isn't it? They're, they're sort of dealing with the Zhangfu on the inside and they're dealing with the climates on the outside. They've got this kind of double relationship. 
it makes Chinese medicine sound really easy until you then start to apply. (laughs) (laughs) But it means that you can look at climates inside a person and then think about how you can deal with those climates. Or you can look at people who, who have a problem with particular climates on the outside, and then you can use the channel system to adjust to tune them up so that it doesn't bug them so much. So like that person that always gets affected by wind, do you know what I mean? I can think about, okay, which channel relates to wind and how can I deal with that to settle them down? And we've got all sorts of ways that we can go with that. Yes. Depending on who that person is. Maybe we work on their liver. Maybe we disperse their gallbladder. Maybe there's just not enough fluid inside of them. And so they're dry and windy. And so you would want to take a look at the spleen in that case. It, 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 I mean, this is, for me, the joy of doing Chinese medicine, because it's like so intricate and different for each person. And it's the deepest, most difficult thing about it, because every time you sit down with someone, it's like, all right, what are we doing today? It's like, what are we actually looking at? Yeah, there's there's lots of different windows you can look through, which I really like, um, that you can use different tools for different situations. I love the fact that it's not prescriptive and you can really sort of be very, very aware of what you're doing and apply things in a, in as general way as possible. I really like that. Yes. Well, again, I think I use the words, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah. And the better we can describe it, the more that comes into view, we get a more nuanced picture. Yeah. And, And once you have a good picture well, gosh, now choosing a treatment shouldn't be that difficult. No, I don't think so. And I don't think it needs to be mega complicated either. I think, you know, you can, I, you know, I really, I truly believe that the body wants to heal, wants to be sort of in balance. And so you don't, usually you don't need to do a lot. It's so long as you're kind of quite, quite clear and straightforward about what you want to do. You don't need to do a lot to be very effective, basically. Well, this is one of the tricky things about practice. I know many of us were were taught, well, you've got an idea and you go after your idea, you know, make a diagnosis, treat accordingly. Oh, throw in these few extra points just to cover your bases. I find that is never helpful. Number one, it muddies it. And number two, I mean, it muddies the message that we're sending the patient. But I, I think even worse I get more muddy in my own mind. If I can if I can keep a clear focus on what it is and just treat what it is, I, I, I think that makes a difference somehow. I think we interact with our patients differently. I totally, totally agree with you. I think, I mean, literally, if you excuse the pun, the more pointy you can be in your in your sort of prescription, your, you know, point choice, mm-hmm. the more effective your treatment is. Um, whenever I choose choose some points and a, a synergistic combination, I think it has to be a synergistic combination, not just a random bag of points. And then if I think, oh, no, I should add this and I should add that, that's when things just don't work very well. I feel confused. The patient doesn't get better. You know, so I really I can tell that I had I didn't really have a very clear view then. Spot on. Absolutely. Here's where it gets a little bit tricky for me, because Days are different. And there are days I I feel kind of on. I can kind of see it. I can dial things in. It's like, oh, yeah, there it is. Got it. Clear as a bell. Those three points, done. And then there's the days where I'm just, you know, I'm just not in it that well. And on those days, I, I tend to treat differently because I can't see it. I can't get it clearly. I try to do no damage. I try to do something like more harmonizing and balanced than pushing on whatever the imbalance is a little bit harder, like I would on on a day where I I can dial it in. Yeah, I agree. There are some days when I'm not feeling very adventurous and I'm feeling a little bit cloudy in myself. And then I'm much more like, okay, I'm just going to sort of root and ground and make sure that that person is as okay as possible, but without doing anything too crazy. Some days I'm quite happy to be crazy and turns out quite well. <laughs> yeah, it, it often does, as long as we don't get too full of ourselves. I, I can't tell you how many times I thought, oh, yeah, I see it. Watch this. Yeah. Then, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I know what you mean. 
there really is something about humility. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure what it is other than it keeps me from going off the rails. You know, it's like you don't want to believe your own bullshit. Yeah, I think got to go back to that keep it simple thing. Whenever I'm sort of going a bit mad, I just think, well, hang on a minute. Is Mm -hmm. this yin? Is this yang? Is blood? Is this chi? That kind of thing. Yeah, my go-tos are deficiency or excess. Am I looking at deficiency or am I looking at excess? What am I looking at? That's that. That's the mm. one that always grounds me back in. Yeah, I, I guess we all have a go-to that will uh, help us to get back on track. Yeah. All right. I do believe that is it for the questions that I've had. This has been wonderful. Thank you. And uh, Thank I hope you. people that are listening to this find it useful as well. There will be uh, a set of slides over on the website so you can follow along and see what Deborah and I were looking at as, as we were talking. And actually, before we wind it down, is there, is there just any, let's see, maybe we're just done. I, I, you know, I'm always wanting to dig in a little bit more. I just have that inquisitive mind. But I think I'm just going to leave it where it is because sometimes it's helpful just to take it in and let it gel. This is the energy. This is the energy, at least for Michael Max, of that 18 days in between seasons. <laughs> Don't push too much. Don't grab too much. Mm. Just let it be and let mm. it settle and sift. See what comes out. Mm-hmm. So good idea. Now, aren't we? No, we're in we're in um, summer solstice time. We're in heart branch. We're in woo branch. So we're actually out of the earth phase at this point. Yeah, we're not. We're not yet in the earth phase. Still got a way to go. We're right in the middle of summer now. This is the middle of summer. That's right. We're at so, the peak. so the Chinese calendar. Next week, actually, is the peak. Um, <laughs> again, this is where my Western mind and my Chinese mind, they trip over each other's feet. Because in my Western mind, I'm looking at it and going, oh, yeah, we're coming to the end of spring, beginning of summer. That's the shift of the seasons. But no, because. Summer began in early May. Yeah, I don't know why there's this kind of crazy idea that Westerners have, which I've never really understood, where people say, oh, this definitely happens in England, where you get to summer solstice and then people say, oh, great, summer is beginning. And I'm like, hang on a minute, summer solstice is the peak of summer, so it's downhill from now on. What the hell are you talking about? Summer started six Mm -hmm. weeks before now. Not now. You're off by six weeks. Well, again, there's that idea that there are be- the beginnings are unseen. If you're using the Chinese eyes, you see that it begins in May. And I saw it this year, Deborah. I saw it. I was sitting, yeah. I was sitting in the back room, which looks out on the backyard, where there's birds and flowers and trees. It's, it, it, it's, it's like a little meadow in the back. It's kind of cool. And the lawn had been mowed two days earlier. Two days. Two days earlier, the lawn had been mowed. This is early May. I'm sitting and I'm looking at the backyard and I go, man, this is looking shaggy already. Two days. Two days, right? Oh, it's getting (laughs) getting a little bit rough and shaggy. Oh, it's flourishing. It's flourishing. That's exactly what went through. (laughs) It's flourishing. Oh, right. Beginning of summer. And there it was. I saw. I saw it being expressed that way. So, yeah, that's really interesting. You're right. Is that Western mind sees beginnings when they're really visible, but Chinese mind at least used to see beginnings when they were still hidden. And I remember reading this very cryptic thing when I was reading what was it? It was the first I Ching that I'd ever read, and it was the Richard Wilhelm translation, the introduction to the Richard Wilhelm translation, and it said something like. When you see a tree grow, you don't look at the the growth of the tree. You need to think about where it started. You need to go backwards in the life of the tree or something like that. And I remember thinking, what the hell is he talking about? But now I get it. Now I get it, you know? Well, in in the beauty of this, in the beauty of the Chinese clock, in the beauty of looking at the seasons unfolding in this way, is we can catch the momentum of it. Yeah. It makes we can be prepared yeah, yeah. be scouts yes, exactly. so <laughs> all right well as ever this has been a true delight thank you so much i look forward to the next time we go and noodle on things thank you michael 
At this point, after singing on Deborah's three-part geological live series on the stems and branches and having the opportunity to ask her some follow-up questions in both this episode and on the earthly branches, that was uh, episode number 255, which covered the heavenly stems, I think I'm beginning to cotton to how this Chinese philosophy science might be a kind of source code for our medicine. And I was delighted to find out how the yin-yang resonance of the Sa'am organ pairs shows up here in the earthly branches makes me want to dig deeper into this study. If you'd like an accessible introduction to the stems and branches, do check out the three-part series that we did with Deborah. You'll find it over under the Classes and Seminars menu on the website. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.